Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox and I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I'd like to welcome you to my January 2018 podcast series of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. But first, a word about this month's sponsor, Conversant. Conversant brings a different kind of ethics and compliance solution to your organization. These days, business success demands something different, a corporate culture centered on integrity and ethical behavior. Conversant provides your teams with a centralized platform and automated processes that connect your business goals with your ethics and values. The result, a highly strategic program that drives ethics and values to the center of your business. Through the use of the Conversant Ethics Cloud platform, it gives you the choice of what you need according to your compliance program maturity. As your compliance program progresses on its ethical journey, Conversant can meet the needs of your requirements with unified ease of use and all of your ethics compliance data in one place, increasing transparency and efficiency while reducing cost. If you have been following me over the past year, you know that I have gone on a one-year exploration of various components of a best practices compliance program. However, during this exploration, there were two very important documents released by the Department of Justice relating to a best practices compliance program. In February 2017, there was the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document, and in November 2017, there was the announcement of the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. Therefore, in this month of January, I'm going to lay out for you what should go into your best practices compliance program based upon the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program and these two documents. Over the next 31 days, I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize a compliance program using the most recent DOJ resources. I hope you will join me for the full 31 days as we engage in an exploration to a more effective compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 15, how do you evaluate a risk assessment? After you have completed your risk assessment, you must then translate it into a risk profile. For, as Rick Mezik has noted, if the estimate of where bribery is likely to occur or its impact, if it does occur, is wrong, prevention efforts will not properly be targeted. Ben Lockwin explained in Quality Risk Assessment and Management Strategies for Biopharmaceutical Companies, once we have assessed risks and determined a process that includes options to resolve and manage those risks whenever appropriate, then we can decide the level of resources by which to prioritize them. There will always be latent risks. Those that we understand are there, but we cannot chase forever but we need to make sure that we have classified them correctly. With a good understanding of each of these, we are in a better position to speak about the quality of our businesses. Bill Athenas, a well-known compliance practitioner from Birmingham, Alabama, said in an article, Rethinking FCPA Compliance Strategies in a New Era of Enforcement, that companies assume FCPA violations follow a bell curve distribution where the majority of employees are responsible for the majority of violations. However, he believes that the distribution pattern more closely follows a hockey stick distribution, where a select few virtually commit all of the violations. He concluded by noting that this is a limited group of employees, or what he terms the shaft of the hockey stick, 
to which a company should devote the majority of its compliance resources. With a proper risk assessment, a company can then focus its compliance efforts, such as intense intensive training sessions or focused analysis of key financial transactions on those individuals with the opportunity and potential inclination to violate the statute. This focus will provide companies with the greatest financial and practical worth of compliance efforts. David Lawler, in his well-known book, Frequently Asked Questions in Anti-Bribery and Corruption, suggested that you combine the scores or analysis you obtain from the corruption markers you review, whether it is the DOJ list or markers under the UK Bribery Act. From there, create a rudimentary risk scoring system that ranks things to review using risk indicators of potential bribery. This ensures that high-risk exposures are done first or given more time. With, as with all populations of this type, there is likely to be a normal or bell curve distribution of risks around the mean, so that 10 to 15% of exposure falls into a relatively low risk category, the vast majority, 70 to 80%, into the middle risk category or moderate risk, and the final 10 to 15 would be the high risk. In an article entitled Improving Risk Assessments and Audit Operations, author Tammy Winehouse focused on how one company, the Timken Company, created a risk matrix to evaluate risks determined by the company's risk assessments. Once the risks are identified, they are rated according to the significance and likelihood of occurring, then plotted to a heat map to determine their priority. The most significant risks with the greatest likelihood of occurring are deemed to deem the priority risks which become the focus of the audit monitoring plan. A variety of solutions and tools can be used to manage these risks going forward, but the key is to evaluate and rate these risks. Likelihood factors to consider include the existence of controls, written procedures, and policies designed to mitigate risk capable of leadership, to recognize and prevent a compliance breakdown. Compliance failures or near misses, training and awareness programs. Product rating, a product of likelihood and significant ratings, reflects the significance of a particular risk universe. It's not the measure of compliance effectiveness to compare efforts, controls, or programs against peer groups. At Timken, the most significant risks with the greatest likelihood of occurring, are deemed to be priority risks. These severe risks become the focus of the audit monitoring plan going forward. A variety of tools can be used to continuously monitor risk going forward. However, you should not forget the human factor. Therefore, at Timken, one of the methods used by the compliance group to manage such risk is providing employees with substantive training to guard against the most significant risks coming to pass and keep the key messages fresh and on top of their minds. The company also produces a risk control summary that succinctly documents the nature of the risks and the actions taken to mitigate it. The key to the Timken approach is the action steps prescribed by their analysis. This is another way of saying the risk assessment informs your compliance program and not vice versa. This is the approach set forth by the DOJ from the 2012 FCPA guidance up to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, finally to the FCPA corporate enforcement policy announced by the Department of Justice in February of 2017. 
I believe the DOJ wants to see a reasoned approach with regard to the actions a company takes in the compliance arena. The model set forth by Timken certainly is a reasoned approach and can pro provide the articulation needed to explain which steps were taken. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, even after you have completed your risk assessment, you must evaluate those risks for your company. In other words, performing the risk assessment is only the first step. Number two, both the DOJ and SEC, as stated in the seminal FCPA guidance from 2012 and in the 10 Hallmarks of an Effective Compliance Program, are looking for a well-reasoned approach on how you can evaluate your risk assessment. And finally, number three, create a risk matrix and force rank your risks and then use that as a roadmap for your risk mitigation strategy going forward. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed day 15 and I hope you'll join me tomorrow as we continue our exploration of 31 days to a more effective compliance program when on day 16 we take a look at third-party risk management process. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program sponsored by Conversant. I hope you will join me tomorrow and indeed for the entire 31 days in January while I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize your compliance program using the most recent resources the Department of Justice has communicated to us, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.